Welcome to the Carter Report. Thanks for joining us. Our topic today is the coming world boycott when no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast. We're also going to talk in this series about how the great church of Rome changed the seventh day Sabbath to the first day Sunday. Welcome to American Bible Prophecy, The Mark of the Beast, The Coming World Boycott. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. Notice the mark of the beast. Now, we talked about this last night. I'm going to come over to the blackboard. The mark of the beast is the great counterfeit to the mark of God. Every truth that God has, Antichrist has a counterfeit. God said, I will have a church. Antichrist said, fair enough, if you have one, I'll have one too. God said, I will have a priest. Antichrist said, if you have a priest, I will have a priest. My friend, the Bible is really a tale of two cities. The tale of Jerusalem, standing for the kingdom of God, and the tale of Babylon, which is the great counterfeit. And notice the genuine. The Bible and the Bible alone. I want to say to my Baptist friends here tonight, I want to say to my Adventist friends, I want to say to my Catholic friends, I want to say to all of you, if you and I can't get our doctrine out of the Bible, then that doctrine is no good. You hear that? We take, listen, tonight we take our stand with Martin Luther, and Martin Luther said, unless I am convinced by reason or the words of the Bible, my conscience is captive to the Word of God. He said, here I stand. I can do no other. I want to say to you tonight, if you and I are going to follow Jesus Christ, we've got to take our stand with the Bible. You say. And if you... Listen, if we can't get our doctrine out of the Bible, then my friend, that doctrine had better go. You hear that? All right, the genuine is the Bible. The counterfeit is the tradition of the church. God has a priest, a high priest in heaven, Jesus Christ. Rome has a priest. In fact, she has thousands. The Bible has one sacrifice, and that is the sacrifice of Calvary, the sacrifice when Jesus hung on the cross and said, My Father, it is finished. His death, my friend, is enough. His one death is enough to cover all of our sins. We don't need the many sacrifices of the Mass. That is a counterfeit. God, my friend, dare I say it to you, 
God's Word, the Bible has the seventh day Sabbath. Rome has, the counterfeit has, the first day Sunday. God's Word has the seal of God. The counterfeit has the mark of the beast. And we talked about it last night. God has got a seal. God has got a mark. Rome has got a seal. Rome has got a mark. And they are in opposition to each other. And we proved to you last night, and we don't plan to spend much time on this, but we proved to you last night that God has got a sign. And the great God of eternity, my friend, when he made the first man, he gave them a sign of allegiance. He gave them a sign of loyalty. And God said, I'm going to rest on this day. God said, I'm going to bless this day. God said, I'm going to make this the very best day and it is also the test day. That is the Sabbath. And the Bible says it is the sign. Now, I think we ought to look at a text on that. Come over here to page 818, Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. The book of Ezekiel. You know what a great message this is. It packs a punch. Ezekiel 20 and verse 12 and here we have the sign of God. Oh, my friend, this is not the teaching of some church. This is the teaching of the Word, the Word of God. Ezekiel 20, verse 12, the Bible says, have you got that? Book of Ezekiel, about halfway through the Bible, everybody see it. The Bible says, moreover, I, God, also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctify them. And you come down to verse 20. Verse 20 says it even plainer. Hallow my Sabbaths. The Bible says keep my Sabbaths. Don't just talk about my Sabbaths. God says hallow my Sabbaths and they will be, what does it say? Say it out loud. God says the Sabbath, my friend, is a sign between you and me that you may know I am the Lord your God. And somebody says it is Jewish. It is not Jewish. It is the sign of loyalty to the great God of heaven, my friend. God made it. God made it. You know, a Baptist man... A Baptist man who came to the meeting last night, God bless him. I want to get this book. Uh, some of you folk didn't get it last night, Rome's Challenge. I'm sorry about that. We're going to get you copies. We ran out of copies last night. We thought we'd have enough for every family. We did 500 copies. We ran out of copies. A fine Baptist Christian, a born-again Christian, one of God's children came to me this morning after our church service, he said, I went home and he said, I read the book through. This, my friend, is not written by any Sabbath keeper. Did you know that? This is written by the Roman Catholic Church. And he said, I read through what the Roman Catholic Church says about the Sabbath. And he said, I am going to keep every Sabbath henceforth. You see, that's what he said. You know why? Because the Roman Catholic Church in here goes through all the arguments ad nauseum that are tossed up to stop people keeping the Sabbath. You know, we hear all the arguments. Number one, they say, you can't tell which is the seventh day. 
but you can tell which is the first. I was running a series of meetings, would you believe it? You know, it's amazing the arguments I hear against the Sabbath. One lady said to me, John Carter, she said, the seventh day Sabbath has been lost. She said, nobody knows which is the seventh day. It was lost. Nobody can tell. I said, why do you keep Sunday? She said, because the Lord rose on the first day of the week. You can tell my friend which is the first, but you can't tell which is the seventh. And then there are other arguments, almost childish. They say, you can't keep the Sabbath on a round world. You know, because the seventh day here is not at the same time as the seventh day in Australia. And that is true. You can't keep the Sabbath on a round world, but you can keep Sunday, thank you very much. You see? Now listen, let's be fair. Other people come to me and they say, the, the law of God has been nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. I say to them, do you believe in the commandment? You shall not kill. Oh, yes. Why do you believe that? Well, because we, ought to, we shouldn't kill. Do you believe in the commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Oh, yes, we believe that. Do you believe in the commandment? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, some aren't so sure, but most say, yes, we believe in that. My friend, Christians believe in every commandment. The only commandment, my friend, that Christians do not want is that fourth commandment, the one that Almighty God said, remember. And I want to tell you folks something tonight. When you walk out of this meeting, you haven't been just listening to a man. You haven't just been listening to some preacher. I want to tell you tonight that you are dealing with the Lord your God. So deal carefully with this. This is the word of the Lord to you. You know, it is so plain. Here is a book here that I'd like to show you. It's a very, I've got a little ammunition up here tonight that I'm going to use as I go along. But here is a book written by uh, Dr. Samuel Bakiaki. I'd like you folk to get this book. Everybody ought to get this book. Even if you don't read it all, it is basically a doctrinal dissertation. And some would say it's a little dry. Uh, it is actually a very, very fine scholarly book. This book is written by a Seventh-day Adventist minister. This man did his doctorate at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome that I visited recently. Do you know he is the first non-Roman Catholic ever to go and study in the Pontifical Gregorian University? It's the Pope's own university. Do you know, my Protestant friends, what he studied on and what he did his dissertation on? He did his dissertation on the change of the Sabbath from the seventh to the first day of the week. And in this book, he proves absolutely that Sunday keeping came from the Church of Rome. Do you know? He, listen, he shows that there is no authority in the Bible for keeping Sunday. 
He shows that Christians who love Jesus Christ and who are saved by grace ought to keep the Sabbath. And he, he's written it there in this great doctrinal dissertation. Do you know this? That when he graduated, the Pope gave him a gold medallion. And this book comes out and you can see it if you had good enough eyes. It has the triple crown on the front. This book is published by the Roman Catholic Church. And in the very front of this book, I wish you folk had good eyes, but it's a little hard to read print, you know, a 32nd of an inch high, but it says, now Steve, just have a look at this. Steve's out in the truck. Hope you're listening to this, Steve. Do you good. Down here, Steve. See it there, see it there, Steve? It says, with the approval of the vicar of Rome. The book comes out with the approval of the vicar of Rome. Look at this again, Steve. Look at the, look at the triple crown. The triple crown, the Pope, King of heaven, King of earth, King of the lower regions. And he gives to our Seventh-day Adventist minister a gold medallion and says, God bless you, my son. And the book, my friend, proves it was Rome that changed the day. You say, I can't believe it. You better believe it. Because Rome, my friend, is proud of the fact. She says, our stand is not on the Bible and, and the Bible alone. The stand of the Baptist, the Methodist, the Presbyterian, the Lutheran, all of us, my friend, Officially, our stand is the Bible and the Bible alone. But Rome says, I've got you on this point. You say the Bible and the Bible alone, and you're keeping our day. You've got no right to keep our day. It is our day. And the fact that you keep our day is an acknowledgement, however unwillingly you may give it, it is the acknowledgement that we are the true church and you are our daughter. And as they said, as Rome said, of course we change the day. And the change is the mark of our authority in religious matters. Of course we change the day. Father Enright said, I have repeatedly offered $1,000 to anyone who can prove to me from the Bible alone that I am bound to keep Sunday and no one has called for the money. It is a rule of the Holy Catholic Church. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Rome says, by my authority, I change the Sabbath. And then Father Enright says, The whole wide world bows down in a humble obedience to the Roman Catholic Church. Now somebody said, sent in a question, what about us? We've been keeping Sunday and we, we haven't known. My friend, don't worry about the past. God doesn't hold us responsible for that which we don't know. Do something about it, though. 
Don't worry about the past. But my friend, when you know the truth of God, you are under the most solemn obligation to say, by the grace of God, I am going to change my course and I'm going to step in line with Jesus Christ. You see, that's what we ought to do. And listen, tonight I am appealing to my Catholic friends. I'm appealing to my Baptist friends whom I consider to be the salt of the earth. I'm appealing to my Pentecostal friends. I'm appealing to my Methodist, my Lutheran friends. I'm appealing to all of my friends. Come and stand, not over here beneath this one. Come and stand beneath the seal of God. That's my appeal to you tonight. My appeal tonight is that you will stand up for Jesus Christ and you will say, I will be true with Martin Luther to the Bible. That's my appeal to you. Listen. The Bible says the deadly wound was healed. The Bible says that the deadly wound that was given in 1798 is going to be completely healed. The Bible says that the mark of the beast and for Sunday keeping is going to be a reality. The question is, how will the deadly wound be healed? Through what agency? What is the image of the beast? Now, here we come to the very essence of the matter. Here we come to the very substance of the doctrine. Come over here now to Revelation 13. Revelation chapter 13. And come with me to verse, verse 10. Revelation chapter 13. And this gives you the context and a text without a context is what? It's a pretext. You're a great audience. You really are. And I love each one of you. I love my American friends. I think you're beautiful people. You really are. Revelation 13 verse 10 says, He who leads into captivity shall also go into captivity. That happened to the Pope in 1798. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. The mortal wound was given in 1798. And then it says, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And then that is the setting for verse 11. Please notice verse 11. We now come to the power that is going to bring about the, the rebirth of the church of Rome. Now, verse 11. Now listen, you know what we're going to do before we go any further? I don't want you to do anything now but have a prayer with me. I'm going to pray because this is such a sensitive subject now and filled with so significance, so much significance. I'm going to pray now that the Holy Spirit is going to come and open our minds so that you can take this in. Oh God, as I take up the subject now, the second beast, the coming world boycott, come, O oh Holy Ghost, come into the meeting now with a flood of Pentecostal power. Sweep away doubt out of our hearts. Open our minds to the reception of your truth. Change us completely. Send the Spirit, please, now for Jesus' sake. Amen. Look at the verse. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, 
and spoke like a dragon. Verse 12. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast, the papacy in his presence, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now listen. As John the Revelator is watching, you're listening? He sees the first beast, the papacy, going down into oblivion. That's around 1798. That beast that arose, as you can see, as we told you, from the sea. Then he sees another beast coming up, not out of the sea, coming up out of where? The earth. This beast, my friend, does not come up in the blood of conquest. This is a noble beast, the most noble of all the prophetic beasts. He comes up, my friend, with the horns of a lamb. On those horns there are no crowns. This is no kingdom. And the great John Wesley, who raised up the Methodist church, wrote in 70, 1760, listen to these words, he is not yet come, hasn't come yet into world prominence, though he cannot be far off. He is to appear at the end of the 42 months of the first beast. Wesley said he, he isn't here yet. You know, these, these preachers understood these things, and they prayed and they studied over those things. And John Wesley in 1760 said he hasn't come yet. But this beast, my friend, does not come up from the same part of the world as the papacy. The papacy, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, the papacy, all arose in the prophetic picture from the sea. But this power, my friend, does not come from the sea. Listen to me. If the sea represents the old world, if it represents Europe and Asia, then, my friend, the earth represents a place of obscurity where there are no people. If the sea is the old, the earth is the new world. Tonight... We're looking for a power that arises in the new world. Did you know that the Greek word for coming up is the same word that is used to describe the coming up of a little plant or a flower? It comes up peacefully. We're looking, my friend, to a great power that is going to come on the world scene. And a power that comes up after 1798 as a world power that doesn't come up in the old world and that doesn't come up in the blood of conquest. It comes up, my friend, in peace and it comes up as a Christian nation because it comes up with the horns of a lamb. This, my friend, is not Antichrist. This is a power that comes up to uphold the gospel. Horns like a lamb. No crowns. No king. This is a republic, my friend. The power that comes up out of the earth in the last days as a peaceful nation is the home of the free and the land of the brave. The second, let's have the chart. The second power of Revelation chapter 13 
is the great power of Protestant America. There is no doubt. Billy, wake up. <laughs> He'll want to buy this cassette. He's got his first honorable mention. Thank you. This beast, my friend, is like no other beast in Bible prophecy. This beast, my friend, is not by nature ferocious. This beast has the emblems of the Lamb, which stands for Jesus. I want to talk to you American people about something. Listen. Have I got your attention? No country in the world has so illustrious a heritage as the United States of America. No country has been more signally blessed than the United States of America. God shed His grace on thee. God raised up this nation, my friend. This nation did not come up in barbaric attack upon other nations. This nation came up as a place where people could flee to worship God. You see? This nation has been blessed by God Almighty more than any other nation in the world. You know why? Because this nation arose as a haven for an oppressed people. That is why God has blessed her. This nation arose because the best people on the face of the earth fled the tyranny of Rome and they came over here to worship God where the air was free. I want to say tonight, America can stand tall and America can know that God has blessed her.